And I say, yes, thumbs up. <laughs> you know, how's my health? Well, you know, just a couple of blocked arteries and some high protein in the kidney. And as you know, the gouts that I carry once in a while when I'm limping here, you know what it is. And, and a few other things. But you know what really matters? One thing that trumps all that is your, our spiritual health. It's all it counts, spiritual health. We were, uh, we are on series on the book of Mark. Book of Mark. It's really about the good news. And it's uh, confirming the deity of our Christ. And it's told through parables and miracles. The foundation of the good news. So if you flip through this book of Mark, chapter 4, that we are on uh, this morning, if you look at it, it says uh, some of the subtopics are the parable of the soul, a lamp on a stand, the parable of growing seed, and the parable of mustard seed, and then all of a sudden, Jesus calms the storm. So if you look at these things, there are really like two major things in here. Number one is there are a few parables here. One of the parables is the very first parable he ever taught when he began his ministry. And second is the miracle that he performed to the point where he had a power to have this, the winds and the waves to simply to obey him. What an amazing sight. So I was asking, what can we learn from Mark 4? For let's say most of us who already know who he is. And what lesson can we learn from us the believers so that we can actually impact non-believers? You need to understand the context in which this book of Mark was spoken. Jesus spoke to non-believers. Disciples, were at that time, technically, on today's standard, they're non-believers. They've kind of followed him because he seemed like some special man, had the ability to, to perform miracles. They kind of want to be around him, but they weren't believers. Look, they said, who is he? Who is this man? Even though they're kind of around him. Are you around Christ right now? Or do you believe in the Christ? Are you around his grace? Are you in the midst of grace? That's the lesson really for us today. And what struck me the most as I was reading the entire book of Mark, well, specifically chapter 4 of the book of Mark, it's the very last one. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, to us, it's like, oh, yeah, it's Jesus. It's God. He can do all that stuff. Oh, come on. Really? Do you really believe this to your core? With all the struggles you're facing in your life, do you really believe this? That he has a power of the struggle and challenge you're facing. That's the real message. 
think about it to those people. Even what they, what Jesus has been describing as the disciples. And the people around them. Here comes a man who comes around and talks about what the kingdom of God is like and begins to explain it with the parables. And then a miracle to wow them. Well, the point of the message is the good news. We all know that. And that good news is no matter what, our hope is in the kingdom of God. Whatever the kingdom of God looks like, we kind of know now the kingdom of God is really about the love and the grace. And it's ultimate a place for us all to look forward to go. But when the ministry or your life is not going well, what do we do? Aren't we in the same boat as these people who said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Do we also believe in that with our challenges and struggles? When I am facing tough times, I face, just like you, a lot of different challenges. Over there, over here, in our family, a lot of challenges. But then I think about the missionaries. I think about overseas missionaries. Their life, what it's like. Every day they struggle. Everything is unpredictable. I get a letter from our missionary girl who spent a year with us and then he went back to Kyrgyzstan about the spring of last year. He sends me a letter regularly, at least once a month. His prayer topic is just really down to like, I don't know what I can stay here because the government will not issue a visa two, three, sometimes four days prior to his departure time. Have no idea where you're going to stay. Because that country is not easy on people like that. And when he went back, he did not go back to the original location that he was doing ministry. He had to go back to a new location, meeting totally new people. He's doing life one person at a time. The entire family, the wife, himself, and, and, and three kids, are there serving one family at a time with the struggles they're facing with their health. They don't have doctors to go to like we do. When they are, kids are sick, what they're describing is they just pray for God to intervene and the God to allow his authority, the same authority that has the ability to calm the wind and the waves. That's what they believe. They don't have insurance like we do. He could have enjoyed all that here. But what I'm learning is the kingdom of God is about what you do that counts. 
The kingdom of God is what you do that counts. It's what you do that counts, not always what you accomplish. What did Jesus accomplish? It was what he did ultimately gave the resurrection. What he did was the struggle, the mockery, the challenges. But he bared them all. He bore all of them gracefully. Took all in to the point of the cross. How much are you willing to put yourself on the cross for the challenge you're facing and say to the Lord, I submit to your authority that you have the power to calm this struggle. It's what you do that counts, not always what you accomplish. Because that's what God sees. And if you found yourself deep, deep in the world, the world of God, and you believe in the authority of the kingdom of God, what the message of chapter 4 is that you too can experience his power that can calm the wind and waves in our lives. It's really simple. If you really believe in the authority of the kingdom of God, we can then also experience the power that can calm the wind and the waves of our lives. So whatever challenges you're facing, whatever wind or waves that, that you're facing now and today, believe that our God, through his son Christ Jesus, has the power to calm it down. Believe in that. That is the core of chapter 4. So going back to today's scripture, Mark 4, 41, they were terrified and asked each other. They were disciples, guys. Did they know Christ? No. They were asking the question. At that time, they were around Christ. They weren't quite sure yet. They were terrified. Are you terrified about the presence of the Lord? No. We embrace him. We love him. If he's standing right here, we just do this. But they were terrified. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. When you see somebody like that, what do you think we normally would do? What do you think you would do? Well, I guess you would say, we acknowledge him. Once you acknowledge him, you follow this man. But you know, the message today is in reality, we struggle with that too. Even though some of us accepted Christ, that we are no longer around him, we accepted him, we still struggle the same way. And that's the essence of the message of chapter 4. We struggle. The time has not changed. That's the one that brings tears to Christ's eyes. If you ever want to succeed in, in life, I'm talking about your livelihood life, 
and organizations, whether it's your paid member of church or your paid uh, salary man of a company or nonprofit organization, whatever case it may be, in any organization, And if you see a great people, what do you do? Do you acknowledge them? Do you follow them? If there is a leader, even if you don't regard high of that person, if you want to succeed in an organization and your company, you must still Acknowledge and follow. It's a pure and simple. Is that hard to do? Yes, it's extremely hard to do. Very, very difficult to do. Because that's the sinful nature in us. And do not follow. They do not follow in heart. They may pretend to follow in appearance, but they do not. Who's they? Most of us. Because I've seen them all in the big organizations. I've been to huge organizations, medium-sized organizations, in a small size like my firm, 50 people, still there. No matter how much love you pour, same thing happens again and again. They do not follow. They pretend they do, but they're kind of around the boss, around the organization. But they do not acknowledge and they do not follow. And I know from my little life experience, those people, they're numbered. They will not succeed in life. Because that's everything against what the Bible is teaching. Yet some people acknowledge the greatness in those organizations, whether they like it or not. They spread the news, saying things like, I love our new department head. He's cool. Yep, yep, yep. No, I'll give him some time. And they follow. Your greatness, listen to this very carefully. I did not copy this from anywhere, but I felt as if somebody said it. It's too good. Your greatness is dependent on how you acknowledge the greatness in others. Let me repeat that. Your greatness is dependent on how you acknowledge the greatness in others. I had a boss, not with my design firm, but my previous company. I learned so much from him. His name is Jim Ebert. He knew his stuff. But he's had his shortcomings. On the good side, under his leadership, the Philadelphia office, we had our like 14 offices throughout the country. We made the most profit among all the other offices. In the beginning, people in the other office went like this, and because when we make good profit, it's good for them too. But when you are successful, something strange begins to happen. Even though when we make a lot of money, it's good for them, they became jealous.
Well, first of all, he had his ways. I kind of, I didn't really like it as a young person, but I kind of followed him anyways. Remember, follow. He would always say to me, show up such, such time. I think I mentioned this in the past. And we're going to drive down to D.C. We're going to drive down to Baltimore. But he works out the schedule such a way that it's always an hour before. Like a meeting is 10 o'clock in Washington, D.C. Right? Maybe I've got to get up 4 o'clock in the morning. Luke has no problem with that. I had a huge, serious problem with that. He gets up 4 o'clock. I was talking to him yesterday. So 4 o'clock in the morning. What do you do? Let's do 4 o'clock morning service then. You know? Like all those people in, this, in the South Korea. But I found he has his ways. On the way, he always stops and get a coffee and pick up a newspaper. He's looking for the attention getter in the meeting to come. And he was very good at that. He was looking for something to relate, to be relevant at the meeting. He had never started a meeting by saying, well, today's agenda is... Never said it that way. He always says something from the newspaper that's relevant to those people. Oh, I see your such such county became this this. That's awesome, and that conversation just carries on. But I followed him because he was a leader. He was a rainmaker. He had a ways with calming. People down. I followed him despite his shortcomings. And he was very, very frugal at the same time. He would travel the same trip that we'll make and stop by in a rest area or around lunchtime. He'd say, Let's just order one sandwich and share. I was 20 something, I was hungry. I could eat two sandwiches. But he would eat half sandwich and would give me half the other half. Like, okay. I come home as Janice to cook me some more. He was counting pennies. I still followed him. Then I became the director of operations of the Philadelphia office. So I'm the second line command in Philadelphia office, which means we get together every quarter in a corporate accounting museum, Michigan. All these 14, the director of operations will get together and discuss. For some reason, when we get together, all this director of operation people from the other office will speak ill of him. They were finding for something to denounce his success. However, every time they say something negative, I will kind of say, no, I live with him day to day, every day, it's not like that. Everything I learned, I from, learned from this guy. I did not yield to those people. I remember when they were all together, I'm coming from somewhere and entered into the meeting room and they're talking about something. The moment I step in, they stop talking. I know what they were talking about. Talking about my boss. Sometimes I felt lonely. I was not in that clique. 
one time I thought I was being ignored because I was the only young, young, young minority. However, over a few years, the upper management noticed about how I acknowledged and followed. And among them, of all these director operations, I was the first one, the youngest ever to be promoted to the principal of the firm. Your greatness is dependent on how you acknowledge the greatness in others. That's your greatness. Think about it. If there's anything more greater than that, you know it's not money. You know it's not a position. When you see greatness, what do you do with it? When you see a leader who has the power to have even the wind and the waves to obey, what do you do? Sounds like no brainer, right? No brainer, right? Sounds like, yeah, of course we acknowledge and follow. No, because that's the story of Jesus. Most people did not recognize Jesus, even though he did all that. Even though he taught with the parables, people did not recognize him. They did not follow him. Do we follow him? Do we recognize him? Most people at that time denounced his leadership, that he is not worthy. Most people at that time ignored that his power over wind and waves. Ah, that's something. I have to see it to believe it kind of thing. But few people did. Few people, they were great because they acknowledged the greatness in others. And those people who did, they lived to continue to tell the story of Jesus. They, in turn, became leaders. The remarkable thing is that the story of Jesus was told and written and carried by these people who acknowledged and followed. And therefore, they're the great leaders. The question in this is this. In real life, what kind of person are you or are we? Are you like disciples? Or are you like the Pharisees who likes to criticize? The story is not much different today than back then. We still fall short. To show this, the fact that we still fall short, Jesus gives a parable in this chapter 4. The parable of a soil, soil, seed, and soil. And so here's the parable. Just going to talk about this one parable out of four in this chapter. It's a parable about a farmer went out to plant or, or sow his seed. That's the goal. Go out there and sow his seed. Four things could happen. 
four things. See that falls along the path. Whether it by accidentally, whatever, you just, you just fall on the pathway. What happens? Birds came and ate it up. Second, falls on a rocky place that has a little bit of soil. The seed germinates, becomes, trying to become a plant, but the sun scorches, the plant dies because the soil was shallow. Third, falls on, among thorns. The seed grew up, but the thorn choked the plant, so it did not bear any fruit. And fourth, last thing could happen is fall on good soil. It came up and grew and produced crop 30, 60, 100 times. This is the teaching of Jesus, who has the power to have wind and waves to obey him. And this is the first parable he ever taught. And it's the first time and only time he actually explained it. Do you understand when you just read this exactly what this means? Provided that you haven't studied in the past. Even if you did, you've probably forgotten. What does that mean? The fall in the pathway or rocky place and thorn. And Jesus went on to explain this. It's just totally remarkable. First case, fall on the path and the birds ate it up. <clears throat> in this case, seed <clears throat> is people. Seed is us. It's you and I. Bird, what's a bird? Bird here represents, guys, Satan. Wow, really? Tim, is that your interpretation? No. It's in the Bible. So I just going to share it with Mark chapter 4, 15. Some people are like seed. That's us, you and I. <clears throat> Along the path. Where the word is sown, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, the word that was sown in them. I didn't make it up. Bird, in this case, is Satan. If you're not found in the deep in the world, birds were just going to take you away. What a profound illustration. The second one falls on a rocky place. When it grew, it gets scorched by the sun and dies. <clears throat> what it means is that we receive the word with a joy. Yeah, this is it. I found uh, my Savior, but has no root. If you have no root, they don't last too long. When the trouble comes, they quickly fall away. When the challenge comes, they give it up. They fall away. Falls among thorns. We receive the word, but the worries of life all these things, the messiness that happens in our lives and the desire of other things in life or maybe a temptation, making it unfruitful. 
lasting fall on good soil, they hear the word, they accept it, and produces a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. The point here is that unless our faith is founded on a solid ground, in the deep into the word of God, we may not get to experience the amazing power of God that has the power to calm the wind and the waves of our lives. That was really the point of the entire chapter 4. Jesus is saying to us today, what kind of person are you? What kind of leader do you think you are? On what ground are you being sold? On the pathway? On the rocky place? Among the thorn? Where the temptation rules? Or on a good soil? Who is this? Who is he? First of all, he's a great communicator. He tells a story, otherwise known as parables. Parable is earthly story with heavenly meaning. It's kind of a story that is easy to remember. Jesus was genius at that. For example, I can tell you, or we as parents can tell our children, we need to abide in God by saying such thing as, you got to obey. Got to go to church. On time. God told you to do this. You need to follow, simply follow. And you got to be righteous before God. Compare that with like parables or stories like Jesus would like to tell. And it's the example, the best example I can come up with, the example that you have heard many times from me from here. A girl says, after coming back from the Sunday school, Mom, I'm all confused. God's pastor says that God is bigger than us. Is that correct, Mom? Mom says, of course he's bigger than us. But then Mom... Pastor Orr says, God is inside of us. Is that true? Mom says, yes, of course God is inside of us. What I'm confused is that if God is bigger than us, God is inside of us, how come he doesn't show through us? What is this little girl saying? She didn't say it. What this little girl is saying, I don't see people around me acknowledging God. I don't see people around me following God. That's exactly what she said. And we all get that. But it's a story. It's a parable. What would you remember more? A lecture style or a story? That's the way Jesus taught us. Parables and stories. With deep meanings. How do you communicate? Getting angry and yelling? Well, I confess I do that at times. I do that to people I list should be doing, my family members. For some reason, this Satan, this bird called Satan, comes up and just takes me away from the Word of God. 
The Satan is real. It's always buzzing around us, looking for people whose seed are not sold in the deep soil. Again, seed is people. Soil is the depth of faith. Place yourself. Place the seed in deep, deep in the soil, not on a shallow one. Jesus is a great communicator, and he is also very relevant. Parable or common form of teaching in Judaism. So why is Jesus teaching on parables? Why can't we just speak clearly? Like, I can understand. But that's the way it was spoken in Judaism many, many years ago. What is the common form today? Let's say for young people. It's not straight talk. They don't like straight talk. What do they like? Videos. They're so used to videos. I mean, I've been being told in my in a company, you got to change your website. What? Your, your website is about boom, boom, boom. All these bullet points with, a, with a one, point, one, two, three pointers. Like all the pastors are doing. One, two, three pointers. That's from the days, not today anymore. Really? What is it? It's a video. you got to make your website moving, make it dynamic. Nothing static pictures. you got to have actual people like moving. Guess what? The seminary that I serve, biblical seminary, its name, name is Missio, they just changed their website to totally dynamic. I just went in there, was like, wow, it's everything is moving. Which means I gotta do that. I gotta follow. I have to acknowledge it, gotta follow. What is a common form today? One, two, three points. Lecture style. That was over the past now. You can still incorporate it. Now it's a testimony is what people like to hear. The real, real story that shows Jesus through us. How do you teach? Jesus used the term that are familiar to them. But sometimes they may not understand. But what it does is it engages them, engages their curiosity, engages questions and discussion. Jesus is a great communicator and is relevant. And third, he is God. You and I know that Jesus is God because the Bible says so. And we heard this hundreds of times through the sermons that you've been attending all your life. But at the same time, the people at that time, they did not know that. To them, he was just a man who seems to have something very special. That was all. They did not know that he was God. But the difference is this. They behave, they acted differently than how we act today. In those days, when people realized 
that he was God, they immediately acknowledged him and they followed him. They gave all they got. All of the disciples gave all they had, including Mary, including the, the thief on the cross. Even the thief wanted to follow him to the paradise. Those people, when they found out that Jesus is the Son of God, they acknowledged and they followed him. The difference is that today the believers know that he is Jesus, but we don't acknowledge and we don't follow. We are around him, but we don't commit. The story is not different. Too often, still, we are like seed falling on a pathway, allowing Satan to take it away. Or some people, rocky place, or even among the thorn. The main teaching of the book of Mark 4 is this. He's God who has the divine power to rule over wind and the waves, at his command. So in verse 9 of chapter 4, it says, Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he says, Follow me. He says to all of us, Follow me. Let your seed fall on a good ground where no bird, no Satan, no scorching sun, no temptation can take your life away. That's the message. If we do follow and place ourselves in a good soil, we too can experience the presence, the work, and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So who is this? He has power to give us hope. Who is this? He has power to ignite and engage. Who is this? He has power to lift you up. Who is this? He has the power to calm the wind and the waves. Who is this? He has the power to calm your struggles in your life. Who is this? He said, when you fall on a good soil, that's when you experience his power. Let me repeat today's verse, Mark 4, 41. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The people who asked each other this very question acknowledged and they followed. And they experienced, as you know, the power of Son of God. And also they experienced the, the good news, the grace they save us all. In grace, they can save each other, us. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we 